Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Feminist, a podcast for feminists of the future. Today we are not your average feminists, but tomorrow we will be. I'm Christina. I'm Sarah. And I'm Amanda. Welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average Feminist Podcast. This is Amanda, and I'm here with Sarah and Christina. What's up, guys? Hello. And today, we are super psyched to be talking about, drumroll, financial independence. I love this topic, and I'm so excited. (laughs) Um, You might be thinking, why are we talking about finances on a podcast about feminism? Um, Well, because there are... what's the right word I'm looking for they are so very much linked um and and so we thought it was just about time that we talked about this because you can't really embrace feminism or I mean okay let me rephrase you can embrace feminism however you want but we suggest that like a core tenet of of feminism at any level is financial independence and this actually goes back to um, the first wave of feminism out of the 50s and 60s, um, a lot of, yeah, I would say, women kind of coming into their own was women joining the workforce, um, getting salaries, getting paid, maybe for the first time ever, and finally having the financial freedom to make decisions on their own rather than being linked to their husbands or their fathers or another male family member for support. So um, you can't really dive into feminism without talking about this subject. And so we really wanted to talk about it in kind of a 21st century lens of of how we view financial independence and how we've gone about it in our own personal lives and why it's so freaking important still to this day when we talk about feminism um, to talk about finances. Like it's still as important today as it was in the 50s. So I guess that's a long rambling way of introducing the topic, but I'm going to kick it off to you guys um, just to like talk a little bit about like your personal journeys with finances, not to get like super personal or in the weeds, but you know, how do you guys, how have you guys approached financial independence over the last decade? What's your philosophy? Um, how has it impacted your, I guess your life as a woman and kind of just go from there. The way I approach finances is so much different now than it was when I first I don't know, first opened my checking account when I was in high school and I got my first job. I didn't really think about saving at all. And I I know when I got my first real, quote unquote, real grown up job, once I graduated from college, I I thought I was going to pull up my big girl pants and get really serious about saving. And I know my employer had a 401k program, like a match program. And I did a little... Um, not a lot just because I wasn't making that much. So I was, I I felt good about myself. I'm like, I'm 21. I'm saving stuff here and there. Well, I, I know especially with my student loan stuff, I didn't really treat my loans the best way or I I didn't treat my my loans appropriately at all. I just thought, you know what, if I just don't open up the bill, I can just pretend like it didn't happen. Oh my gosh, happen. are you serious? <laughs> it didn't come here. So uh, I think I, su- I suspect I'm like many people where I didn't really 
realize the consequences of being delinquent on my student loans. And I went for a long period where I was just like, I'm just going to ignore this problem. I don't even have enough money to like buy lunch. I'm going to all these like free, uh, I'm going to these happy hours and I'm eating hors d'oeuvres for dinner and all this kind of stuff. I was like, oh, they'll understand. They don't care about that kind of stuff. So my number one, number one, because I've been fighting back. I have a really good credit score now, but it was um, tainted for several years because of my delinquent status uh, previously on my student loans that I have since paid off. But because of that, there's a big black mark on all of my credit reports from like the earliest part of establishing my credit. So don't do that. Yeah. Just call them up and defer your payments. If you're in that big of a pickle, just call them up and say, hey, I can't pay right now. Mm-hmm. I'm just pressing pause. They'll still charge you interest or I don't know whatever they do these yeah. days, but it will continue to build whatever, but it won't hurt your credit score. So just do that. So you don't have to well, I, yeah, so, work backwards from there. So that let's get, we'll get into like more concrete tips later on in the episode, but I'm curious, like how did you view financial independence at that age was it something where like your parents basically said you're out of college now you're on your own and so you just had to figure it out was it something you thought about a lot was it did you get help for a while from your parents it's like I feel like everyone's kind of journeys are different and I'm curious um how you guys got started oh yeah I was on my own I was on my own. Uh, I'm sure it was a little different. I got my grandma to give me a loan. Uh, I don't know, maybe like a thousand dollars or something one time. But my right when I was going through college, my parents went through a divorce, so I had uh, no no one to really lean on for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was that's part of the reason why I was like, okay, fine, I'm being my own person, and I was. I was so childlike in my comprehension of uh-huh. what kind of finances really had on your future. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Christina? Um, I mean, for me, it was, I've always been pretty, I guess, responsible when it came down to things like that. And that's just because my parents were very blue collar and raised us to basically not spend money. Mm-hmm. So when I was in high school, I had a job and they were always like, make sure you're saving half or more of your paycheck. And, doing all this crazy stuff. Um, so for me, it was always never spend more than what you have. So even like credit card debt and things like that were things that were frowned upon in my household. So yeah. I don't even know if my parents had, I mean, they had a credit card, but I feel like they used cash or like not really debit cards. Cause I don't think they were a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it was always, you know, don't spend more than what you make. So it was one of those, like I would always sock away money and always make really? sure that, Yeah. Wow. I've gotten worse at it as I've actually gotten older, <laughs> but <laughs> um, when I was younger, I had like a savings account, a checking account. I had like multiple like retirement plans, like I had two Roth IRAs, I, you know, mm-hmm. like bo- savings bonds, all this crazy stuff. Then since I've gotten older, it's a little bit different because I've like reformatted everything, but right. yeah, it's, I mean, wow. that was one of those things where it's my crazy. parents were really pressured, like pressured my sister and I about that. So when you went off to college, were you on your own or did that not ha- did that happen after you graduated college or when? So when I went to college because I was an athlete, my parents okay. had to pay for a bunch of stuff. Okay. Um, 
after I got hurt and moved, then I was financially on my own. My parents were basically like, you're going to move out of state. We're not going to take care of you. So I had to learn how to do everything on my own. So I moved and rented and worked two jobs and basically tried to make as much money as possible so I could live and like buy some groceries. Yeah. Thankfully, I worked in restaurants. So like eating food was never really a deal. Because mm-hmm. they always fed me. Because I'd always be like, I'm poor, feed me. So the chefs mm-hmm. would cook me food. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, the way to go. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I socked away a ton of money doing that. And I just made sure that I wasn't spending recklessly. I mean, I would buy something. I went through a little bit of a phase where I would spend money on purses. But I think it lasted about six months. Yeah. And then I realized it was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of similar to me. Like, my parents were always pretty frugal growing up. Like, very, like, not, like, very super frugal, but, like, pretty frugal. And um, and money was always talked about in my house. So, it was always something I was aware of. And, like, you know, my mom would say things like, we're not doing this today because, like, I, you know, we don't have the money for it. And I'd be like, you know, as a kid, I remember saying, can't you just go to the bank and get money? Like, what is the big deal? And, So my parents, you know, they talked about money in front of us, uh, talked about not having money, talked about bills. So it was always something that I was aware of. And when I went to college, they told me, like, have fun. And, you know, you're only going an hour away. So we're not going to give you money. If you need food, then, you know, you can come home and eat food. But, like, you have a meal plan. And so we're not giving you money. We're not giving you gas money. If you choose to take your car to college, then you are choosing to take on the financial responsibility of having that car at college. So actually, my first semester at college, I didn't have a car because I was so scared that I wouldn't be able to afford gas or the insurance. (laughs) And then after the first semester, I was like, F that. I need my car. So um, I went home and I got it and I managed But, um, you know, my parents did not help me really in college. Like, I mean, obviously, they helped me with my student loans. They took out half and I took out the other half. And um, and that was their way of, like, basically saying, this is what we're doing for you in college. The rest is on you. Mm -hmm. And, like, even when my car broke down my senior year, um, they did not help me, like, repair my car. And I went, like... I had so many phone calls like to my mom and I, where I'd be like crying and I'd be like, I overdrafted my account again. And she'd be like, you got to stop doing that. Like, why are you keep doing that? Like, just stop. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to tough love. And so, mm-hmm. um, it was definitely tough love. And, it, you know, it just continued um, when I graduated college. Like I got my own cell phone plan. I paid my own rent, obviously. And I think one time, kind of similar to you, I my grandma gave me a loan once um, when I moved apartments and I needed a security deposit and I just did not have a security deposit and first month's rent. And so she helped me, but I paid her back. And um, and I basically been on my own since then. And it's not always easy, but um, especially when you're young and in an expensive city and not mm-hmm. making a lot of money. Um, it's hard, but yeah. I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything. A hundred percent. And to to more answer your question, I kind of just jumped right in there. It's like, this is the worst financial decision I've ever made in my entire <laughs> life. Warning, please no one else do this. It's a heartache. But 
Um, to to your feminist point about finances, I have always been a huge champion for making money, being a girl boss, whatever you want to say it. I actually don't like that term, girl boss. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a woman. Thank you very much. But um, it, ever since I like in high school, Amanda, we've probably had conversations about this when we were in high school. Um, I definitely know I did with Evangeline all the time, but, uh, we <laughs> would out. just sit there and we would talk about how, like, we are going to make so much money because we both came from, uh, we, we, it wasn't poor families, was but we class. were, we were middle-class. Yeah. And middle-class South Carolina, which is, you know, its own thing. Mm-hmm. And, I just remember thinking, because my parents did live frugally, like it sounds like both of yours did, and I just remember thinking, nope, I'm going to have all the luxuries. I'm not going to worry about eating out, and I want to make a whole bunch of money so I can go do all these things and not ever felt like feel tied down. So financial independence, and uh, first of all, I never... We've talked about this before. I didn't think I was going to get married. So I was just like, I am going to be fabulous. I'm going to be making so much money. Um, be single. Be single and just crushing life. Yeah. And I totally did that. And I and I feel I feel good about that now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you got to put the the horse before the cart in this kind of situation in order to talk about savings and investments and credit Mm -hmm. you have to have money Mm -hmm. to get you there so financial independence to me also has a it's like bookended with uh, a really good education Mm -hmm. and just like really good work ethic you have to have that and then I feel like the remainder of this podcast is about like now how to be really smart about that Mm because like the rest of this stuff I didn't learn in school they don't teach you this in your high school Mm -hmm. curriculum um they, there may or may not be a, a class at your university if you even go to college. But so it, it's kind of like one of those things where I, I've had to like Google this or find yeah, financial like, advisors or, you know, just like talk to friends who yeah. know better. And just yeah, know. and you have to be not, you have to not worry about asking questions too. That's the other thing is like, I don't know what I don't know. I, I mean, I don't even, yeah, I don't even know what I don't know. Like sometimes I feel like I ask, you know, my husband questions about finances and investing that I just feel like are super dumb questions, but I just, honestly, I don't know how a lot of this stuff works. And, um, like I've never, and it doesn't sound crazy to admit, I've never filed my own taxes. Like I just, I've never done it. Not even with like TurboTax? No, never. Wow. That's funny. Because I, you know, I got married when I was freaking 23 and I always had my dad help me and like do it for me when I was in my early 20s. And um, he generously would like help me with it slash do it for me every year. And and then when we got married and started filing jointly, like my husband took care of it. Like <laughs> I've literally never filed my own taxes and I feel weird admitting that. But like, you know, that's just one area that, you know, I don't know anything about. You know, I don't know anything about investing and I know, um, I feel like I've come a long way in just making like personal finance, deci- like wise personal finance decisions, like savings and like blah, blah, whatever we can talk about later. But um, I just, I think it's interesting and not to stray too far too from like the whole feminist angle. I really want to touch on this article that I found earlier today that came out a couple days ago. Just really quick side note. 
And um, it's in Forbes, and I'll put it in um, show notes. But I thought it was really a, a really interesting article. And the title is, um, Despite Having Less Support, Women Outpace Men in Financial Independence. And it talks about this new study that came out um, a couple days ago. And there's, like, some good and bad things in it. Like, one of the bad things is women, I mean, depending on how you look at it, but um, according to this survey, women hold two-thirds of the student loan debt in America, which is kind of shocking but that's also because more women go to college than men. So depending on how you look at it, that's like good or bad. So in more women are in college, so they'll necessarily have more student loan debt, although that is also kind of a bad thing because it burdens women more than men. Um, so, you know, that's not that great. Um, the other thing is, according to the survey, women get less, less parental financial support. And... Um, that's partly because they ask for it less than men do, apparently, which I find to be very interesting. That um, is super interesting. Yeah, and this is just you. one report. I asked, I asked yeah. all the time, and I get rejected every time. <laughs> <laughs> um, even so, seventy-five percent of respondents in this survey defined adulthood as being financially independent from their parents. However, the report found that. Um, let's see, women are less often getting support than men. So 49% of women surveyed said that they get support from their parents and 62% of men said that they get financial support from their parents. Um, let's see, what else did it say? Oh, so the other part of this article that I found really interesting was that the survey also found that women are more likely than men to list investing in their retirement and paying off debt as their top financial priorities they're also less likely less likely to withdraw from their retirement accounts early. So they make good decisions. But on the other hand, women report having less confidence than men in managing their investments. In fact, 41% of women said that their biggest fear about investing is not about market volatility, but about feeling that they don't know enough about what they are doing. This can result in women taking longer to begin investing as they begin their careers, which will hurt them in the long run by reducing the amount they have saved by the time they reach retirement age. So that kind of goes into what I was just talking about. Like women, we are making more money. We're playing active roles in the economy. We are becoming more financially dependent um, than ever before. But we are nervous about investing, which is totally me. Like I have not invested because I feel like I, I'm just not confident enough and I wouldn't know where to begin. I wouldn't know where to start. I wouldn't even know what questions to ask. And, um, and as a result, it's kind of goes back to the whole lean in thing too, that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Like we're not leaning into it and we're, mm -hmm. we're letting our own fears hold us back. So as a result, we're not making as much and saving and like earning as much in our lifetimes because we're not, taking those risks early. And here's the thing though. So guys always talk about investing or the stock market. And I remember like my older male cousins, you know, like playing around with like investment apps, like, I don't know, even like f five, 10 years ago when it was just like a thing. And I remember thinking, I don't know, how would I pick which stocks I want to buy it? Blah, blah, blah. Anyways. Um, but this reminds me of something I heard on, um, it's a podcast called, uh, it's Wall Street Journal's Secrets of Wealthy Women. Everyone go download that if you're listening to this now. You're going to love it. It's like in cute little like bite-sized pieces, 5, 10 minute, uh, 5, 15 minute uh, episodes. But it, I, I remember hearing this one woman, CEO of this awesome company. I don't even remember who she was. But just talking about how she was uncomfortable 
with the idea of investing and how she just kind of forced herself to do it. She would just pick mm-hmm. stocks. She's like, you know what? I just did it. I had no idea what I was doing, but at least I was putting money yeah. <laughs> in. And, you know, eventually over time, it's just like anything that you have to learn, you'll slowly get to understand that stock, the types of places you want to buy, the different types of shares. Um, and, and she just like over time, like self-taught and we are way too harsh on ourselves. And also just hearing her say she was uncomfortable with that made me pick up the phone and call my broker and invest more money. (laughs) Okay. So, okay, let's go, let's start there. Like how the heck do you have a broker? How did you get a broker? Why did you get a broker? What is a broker and what do you do with your broker? So (laughs) it was kind of funny because, uh, i I feel like I'm interviewing you right now. I know. Well, um, I worked for a company that had a match program. So they were managing my uh, 401k and my Roth IRA through my work. Um, That work went out of business. And so I was given the option whether I wanted to keep my funds there or like they were going to cut me a check and I could go invest them somewhere else. Well, I ended up starting my own business. And so I was like, well, I might as well stick with you guys because I don't know where else I would go. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they were always so helpful. And it was kind of like a mom and pop shop. Um, they eventually got acquired. And so they're a part of a, a, a broader um, company now. I am with Raymond James. You probably, they're, they're pretty big. But um, my, my like, not financial advisor, I, my broker, basically, um, he's so great because He'll call me once a quarter. He'll, I mean, they'll send me all the same stuff, but like they're really proactive about making sure that I understand my options and I'm maximizing where my funds are going. Mm -hmm. I think that's also because in the last couple of years, I've actually like ramped up how much money I'm socking into my funds. So it's worth their time to give me a call and kind of keep that relationship fresh. But um, they've been fantastic and they give me all kinds of great, like even like tax savings advice. Um, now that I have my kid, he was giving me all kinds of advice on um, 527s, mm-hmm. what me and my husband can do there. Um, uh, and with with Virginia, um, for like as far as like tax deductions for the state stuff. So, I mean, they're, they're, these people are here and I ask questions now. I'm not scared of asking him dumb questions like, well, what should I be doing and blah, blah, blah. But basically I don't, I don't actually own what well, own individual stocks, but it's more of like a, they're, but they're, mutual, they're it's more of a mutual fund that I think most of these things right. are. In. So I know it's like, like a combination of a whole bunch of bonds and mutual funds and whatever else, but right. so they're taking your money and like investing it in, in a like broad portfolio of stocks. Correct. Products. Um, that's interesting. I, that's really interesting. Makes me Your broker it. sounds almost like the financial planner that I met with today, though. Yeah. So because tell. Okay. Yeah. So tell us about that, Christina, because it, it's so funny that you met with a financial planner on the day that we were recording this episode. So, like, what kind of stuff do do you talk about with a financial planner? Well, today was just preliminary. So my husband and I are meeting with him to see because one of the big things that we have we own property, so we have real estate, which is, I guess, a big asset when it's yeah. coming down to like financial stuff. So we're looking at retirement. There's an age difference between my husband and I. So he already has a pension and now he works again. So like building into that. So mm-hmm. ours is a little bit more complex, but it was sitting down and like kind of going through what, you know, I have to basically do homework for him. He gave me like 25 questions that mm-hmm. I have to fill out and my husband and I both have to do it and go through like questions what, like what? 
um, you know, um, like, do you have any student debt? Do you have any car loans? Do you have, um, what else was he asking? Like 401ks, IRAs, any type of like savings accounts. And questions also, I'm guessing like, how do you want to retire? Like what uh, age do you want to retire? Yeah. Um, how comfortable do you want to be when you retire? How much money would you like to have coming in a month at retirement? Um, things like that. So like very like planny, planny, like do you have life insurance or long-term mm-hmm. disability insurance from like that kind of stuff to, you know, when do you want to retire or, you know, what do you want? How often do you want to travel a year in a year? Like how much money do you want to set aside for travel? Things like that, which were really, which is really unique because I would not have thought about it. Um, but like the biggest thing that I took out of it was he said, when you're starting to look at things like financial independence, write it down and have a plan because the more, if you have a plan, the more likely you are to follow through with it than if you don't have a plan. Mm -hmm. So even if your plan is I want to retire at 75 and I want to at least have, you know, $60,000 saved, having that written down so you can build off of it, I guess is a very big deal, which is what the planner really does. That's Mm -hmm. why I'm kind of like, and he does the management of like different funds. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand enough about it. Um, But it sounds like he does similar like mutual funds type of like, if you want to be conservative in your saving, or if you want to be a little bit more aggressive when it comes down to like how you're investing. Um, And then he does quarterly check-ins as well and kind of gives you an update. Yeah. Well, have you guys ever looked at doing, um, like, automated, like, investment apps type stuff? Like, I know Betterment is a really big one, or... I use Acorns. Acorns, okay. So, like, what's your experience been like with Acorn, and can you briefly tell our audience what it is? It is an app that you link to, like, a credit card or a debit card. I have it linked to my debit card because I don't use a credit card. Mm -hmm. Um. So when I go and spend, it just rounds up. So if I spend, you know, $1.99, my debit card will show that I spent $2 and one penny will get put into this investment account. And I have it set up so it's conservatively investing into a portfolio of stocks. I have no idea what stocks. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it shows me, you know, and it'll it'll invest a bulk amount each month. So I do like $10 a month um, on top of what I'm spending. Now, is it a free app? You have to pay the, you have to pay a fee monthly. I think it's $2. So it's not expensive. Um, and I also have an I like a traditional IRA set up through it. So I have like, like I have like a retirement kind of account in there as well as my investment. You, so you have set up a traditional IRA with, with the Acorn app. Yep. Do you know enough about it to explain to our audience what an IRA is? <laughs> I do not. I yeah, know that it's a retirement either. account. <laughs> I know that there's a difference between a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA. And I know I'm like pay tax and one is after tax or something. Yeah. And my, the financial advisor today said that I should have a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA, but a Roth IRA for sure, which I don't have. How much do you think, how long it, so ballpark figure, do you feel like having the Acorn app is worth it? You don't tell us how much you have in there, but like, do you think, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm seeing this like little chunk of change grow and it's like really impressive or is it like not like worth it? I don't spend a ton of money. So like for me, I'm not, I don't see a lot of it because I'm not spending a lot of money. Okay. Um, so it makes a little bit of a difference, but from like what I've spent over the last, since I got it, like probably 10 months ago, 
it's a decent amount of money. I mean, it's it's a fun little thing. So I can log on and see like, oh, this is like I can watch how the markets are going. So like I looked at it today and it looks like my funds grew. Now I'm going to have to go back and look again. Um, I mean, it's fun and it's green, the app. <laughs> so I'm yeah. logging in. But it looks like my um, funds grew like, what is it saying? The growth was like 5.69% in the last week. Huh. And I have it as my portfolio is moderately conservative. I put $10 in a month and then I have them do a two times multiplier, but you can do three times, 10 times. You can turn it on or turn it off. So it just rounds up and then you multiply it. Um, so I have it just linked to my bank account, which is really neat. And then, I mean, I can go through and kind of change how I want to invest mm-hmm. and then I can, it just, it's linked. So I can also then That's awesome. move my money around. So if I, I'm in a financial crisis and I need money. I can pull it out of this account and it's not going to penalize me. Yeah. That's and it and it just it, does everything it. for you. Like you set it up one time and then you don't have to think about it. Yeah. Which is I think one of the invest- best parts about it. Yeah, and that's the investment stuff. You don't pull money out of an IRA. That's all right. I know. Cuz there's tax implications with that. Yeah. Or so your Roth if you're investing in a Roth IRA, the difference between like a regular IRA is you're paying after tax. And you, you've already paid taxes on the money that you've invested in there. And that's why you can, uh, the max for this year, I think is $5,500. But for uh, like a 401k, for example, you can, um, at the limit is, it's 19000 this year. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but they put they put limits on there because obviously uh, the government doesn't want you using this as like a, a tax haven for you to just like make make more money right. <laughs> and like shell it off into your your savings and avoid um, later um, later taxation. But that's like a good that's a good option, especially if you're you're young and you're not making that much money and you're in a lower tax bracket because. Yeah. Uh, by the time you in- retire, um, you're much more likely to be in a much higher tax bracket. So you are, in essence, saving yourself um, a lot more money in taxation on the- those dollars. Plus, they will have invested or they've accrued so much more um, mm-hmm. interest over time. And so um, it's just kind of a nice little benefit. To yeah. Have there. Mm-hmm. So what kind of things do you think um, women in their twenties, young ladies should be doing to set themselves up for financial freedom or in independence. Uh, first of all, get your own checking account. If you don't have it already, <laughs> get a get a checking account that is just yours and get used to, you know, balancing your checkbook and making purchases and just kind of like making sure all your finances are in order. I'd mm-hmm. say from there, I would start, like, especially if you don't know where else to start, um, start just, like, putting, I don't know, however much money aside into whatever your joint savings account is. So many of these places mm-hmm. come with free uh, savings accounts yeah. if you have, like, a general checking account. So, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, whatever makes sense to you, enough to where you're not going to miss it. So, like, $50 a month or something like that, which is your Starbucks budget. Mm-hmm. Just start putting it in your savings account if you don't know what else to do. Because if for nothing else, it's always good just to have a rainy day fund for when your car breaks down or you get a really expensive dental bill or something like that. Yeah. So I think I remember when I opened my checking account when I was in high school, 
they um, opened, like I opened a savings account at the exact same time. And um, the guy at the bank was like, do you want to set up any kind of like automatic savings or anything right now? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, how about this? How about I set it up so that $25 a month goes into the savings account automatically? And I was like, okay. At the time, I was like, whatever, I don't care. And I still have that account and I've never touched it. And it's been growing by $25 a month ever since I was like 16 or 17. And it's kind of cool to see it now. Yeah. You know, so like that's definitely something I would say is a great idea is just Mm -hmm. set it up so it's automatic and you don't have to think about it. Um, So you don't have to remind yourself to go in and move money over because chances are you probably won't. And um, and you can just start seeing it grow. And the more you see it grow, the more you'll want to set money aside. Yeah. And another big thing is like if you work for a company that has 401k that has matching, mm-hmm. take advantage of it. Oh my meet God, them, yes. meet them at least at where they would match, but try to go above it. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things like when I first started working, I would just meet the match. Mm-hmm. And in the last couple of years, I realized it's just not it's not enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, then you have to you write match it. You have to max it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Always um, meet the match because it's free money, free money. Mm -hmm. And then just max out. Exactly. And like I said, uh, this year it's $19,000. So, and I get, it's hard. It's hard to get that paperwork and say, oh yeah, I'm going to max out my contributions. Um, Everyone wants to take home a large paycheck. Like I get it. It's hard. And especially when you're young, it's hard to think long-term about, retirement because it seems so far away um but it really is true and it's it's one thing that I think about a lot actually is like how I I actually am terrified of being poor when I'm old like I can be poor now and I'll be fine like whatever I'll just get three jobs and I'll whatever I'll be fine but when you're like 70 years old 65 70 whatever I mean you you can't like that's what keeps me up at night you can't be in poverty at 80 like I just can't like I don't want that to ever happen and so if you're like me and that freaks you the idea of that freaks you out like max out those contributions save money be aggressive early and then become more conservative as you get older but everything you can do or anything you can do to get yourself ready for retirement starting at 20, 21, 22, I think you should be doing. And another thing that may sound maybe morbid, but life insurance oh, is yeah. a really big deal. So like, like I have life insurance and I have a whole life insurance policy because I remember when I started looking and I've had it for a long time, um, the biggest thing was not getting term life. And people think because term life's cheaper, it's great, but term life is basically a rental life insurance policy. So say you get a 20-year term life and you don't die within that 20 years, mm-hmm. then your premiums are going to spike after that. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. getting a whole life policy that, that you can get some, you know, and there's ways that you can adjust it so you can have a whole life policy that say if you don't have student loans or a house or anything like that, or you do have it, you have it so you cover it so if something happens you're not burdening somebody else with your debt. And then uh, as you pay things off, then you can cut back on the amount of life insurance that you have because you don't necessarily need it. Um, Which is one of those things that you would never really think of, but especially when you're young, you don't think about. Yeah. But it's especially, but when you're younger, it's cheaper to get life insurance than when you're older. So it's also just better to lock it in when you're young rather than after you hit a certain age, the premiums will go up through the roof. 
Yeah, that's very true. Um, so let's pivot a little bit and talk about debt. Because debt is another big part of this conversation that we haven't really touched on yet. But you can't talk about financial independence without talking about debt. Correct. So um, what are your guys' philosophies about debt? And um, how has it impacted your journey to financial independence? Well, I th- I grew up in a household where uh, debt was like a bad word. And we used cash for everything. And nobody had credit cards and I just was like oh my gosh it was a very like Dave Ramsey like not that there's anything wrong with that but um I took a different obviously um I I having credit like I had to get a car uh the car I bought we didn't pay in cash we have a little bit of a loan there um I think credit is really healthy and I think it's an important part of the modern economy and especially when you want to be a big participant in um, getting a mortgage, all that kind of stuff. So I've, I've gotten a lot more, I've been a lot more responsible with credit ever since my early 20s um, when I went through some student loan fiascos. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I think my number one recommendation to folks would be to use your free annual credit report. Um, you can have, uh, there are three different like credit ratings where you can get a free, uh, your free full credit report, um, every 12 months. And so I know a lot of people will either, um, will either get all three all at once if they're about to like make a really big purchase, like, uh, like a home loan, um, or they'll, they'll, you know, chop it up and every four months they'll pull their credit report from a different one of these credit agencies. They'll just put like a, a calendar reminder on on their um, on their calendar uh, just to pull it just so they can see if there was any kind of crazy fluctuations. But I know that um, I have a credit card that I use every month to put most of all of my expenses on, and I pay it off at the end of every month um, just mm-hmm. for points. I feel like it's better to get something for my money out of you know if I was just going to pay through my debit account. But that's just yes. kind of my philosophy on it. Um, but I, I know with my credit card, I get free like a credit um, credit score tracking. Mm-hmm. So they'll let me know when it goes up or down or stays the same. Um, I get notifications on stuff like that, which I found really helpful. And I used to be totally freaked out about that kind of stuff. But there's no reason to be freaked out about knowing what your score is and, and knowing how you can be have an even better score over time. Um, one thing that I actually recently learned because part of um, my healthy credit um, approach is to for every at the end of every month or at the end of every statement period, I always pay off my credit card all the way down to zero. I didn't realize, though, that there's such a thing called a credit utilization ratio. And um, that's basically where these credit ratings that I was mentioning earlier, they'll they'll ping all your accounts and they'll basically tally up all of the money that different credit cards or different loans have, like the total amount that you're allowed to borrow. And they'll they'll then take how much is leaned against that. And that's your credit ratio. And that has a big uh, factor on what your credit score is. I didn't realize though that they could ping that at any point in time in your credit cycle so they don't know when you just paid off your credit card down to zero so if you've used up 75 percent of your credit card right before you pay it off at the end of every month it's just going to show you as having a higher credit ratio and now that i realize that that's a thing um 
I don't wait till the end of the statement period to make just one lump sum. Uh, I now do two or three payments throughout the month to get that as low as possible. So it keeps my credit score higher than it otherwise would be. That's so funny. You just learned that because I just learned that the other day too <laughs> for the first time. I didn't realize that was a thing that <laughs> really affects your credit score. So yeah. now y'all all know, do that. Yeah. That's so funny. What about you, Christina? Do your um, philosophy you know, on debt. I obviously hate it like anybody. I do have a credit <laughs> card that I almost never use, but I do it so I show that I have credit history. Mm-hmm. So I'll use it and pay it off. Um, and it does come with a credit tracker. Um, but I'm like of the mindset of trying to pay things off fast. So like I bought, when I bought my car, I financed it. Um, I think I paid it off in maybe two years because every car payment that I had, I would just pay like two or three times the amount of what I actually owed on it Mm -hmm. so that I didn't have the car loan. So my car has been paid off for almost two full years now and it's a 2014. So it didn't take me long to pay it off at all. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things because the you have to show credit history. So if you want to go and buy a house, you have to have some sort of credit history. And it can't just be student loans. You have to have credit cards and car loans. You have to show all of that kind of stuff. So <laughs> it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's like you have There's to have that. There's a lot like- that goes into your credit report, which is yes. what I also recently learned. Um, there's a lot that they take into account and it's not just credit history. Um, it's a lot of different things and I wouldn't be able to tell you. I mean, I had to like sit through this like three hour online course that my mortgage lender made me take. Um, I think they do to everyone, but it's like part of the process to get a mortgage. They like want you to become certified and like take this course about Mm -hmm. like, you know, what is a mortgage and like, what does this mean for your life and blah, 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 whatever. I learned all this stuff. It's smart that they did that after 2008 though. Oh, totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they make you do it just so they can cover their own butts, but like it was very interesting. And, um, a lot of like, a lot of it was about like what actually goes into your credit report. What does it mean? And like, I learned that fact about your credit ratio. Mm -hmm. So anyway, and like, what's interesting, which I didn't realize until probably six months ago, because I understood the credit ratio thing, but like my husband and I have a joint credit card and mm-hmm. we were doing renovations on our house and buying a lot of things on the credit card. So I checked my credit score and I was like, oh my gosh, my credit to debt ratio is through the roof because, and I was like, but I only have my credit card, not realizing that my name being on his, his account as a joint card, it affected my credit to debt ratio as well. Yeah. And I didn't even think of that because it's just like one of those, I don't even know if I had to give my social security number for him yeah. to put my name on the, the card. Yeah. It's um, interesting how it all works. Yeah. Um, so it's funny because I'm like kind of a outlier. Like I don't have a credit card and I know you guys, I've, you know, I've, we've talked off the, this podcast about um, like Dave Ramsey and everything. And I'm not going to go in. I'm not like a super Dave Ramsey evangelist or anything, except when it comes to debt. Um, which I guess is kind of his, his main thing anyway. So, but, um, like we don't just, we just don't take on debt. Like my husband and I just don't do it. We don't believe in it. And, um, you know, we drive old cars because we pay cash for them. And, um, we just, we just don't, I, I, I mean, we've lived this way since we got married 
And in fact, like I haven't had a credit card since 2012, maybe. Um, and we just got a mortgage. So like, there's a lot that goes into your credit report. Um, a lot of things that companies look at and um, we didn't have any difficulty at all getting a mortgage um, to buy a house. And I have a great credit score. And I know, I, did we talk about this on the podcast recently? Because I was, I don't remember, but we talked about it at one point and I was like, I have a really good credit score and I don't know why. Um, was it <laughs> you guys that I was telling you that about? Yeah, I was totally, so like after, having after, a like, blanking after right recording. now. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like we talked about it at one point and and I do, and I, I genuinely like kind of want to find out more about this because I have an amazing credit score and I have no idea really, even after that video course, I have no idea really why I have such a good credit score. Like it's better than Nick's and, and <laughs> Nick was like, what the in? heck? <laughs> what? Have you rubbed it in? Of course. <laughs> um, but I don't know why. I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's just because. Um, I pay my bills on time, which I'm sure is part of it. I, um, paid off my student loans. I never, um, you know, I, I paid the minimum, um, amount as soon as I got out of college. And then I like really ramped it up a couple years later. Um, like, I don't know totally what it is. Cause like when I, when I was in college and when I was just out of college, I made really bad decisions. Like I maxed out two credit cards. You know, so I've been there and I know what it feels like. Um, and I kind of clawed my way out of that hole when I was 22, 23 and haven't gone back since. And so that's just all to say that um, a lot of people will tell you, you know, you need to build up that credit history. And I'm not saying that that's wrong because there is a way to do it responsibly. And if you're doing it responsibly, I think it's great. Um, it's just it's just a matter of like a personal preference and how you want to live. But if, if you're someone that doesn't want, that is scared of the idea of, like, having a credit card or maybe, like, I was when I was 23, like, I just didn't trust myself to have it and you don't want it, you can still make financial, big financial moves when you're older if you don't have a credit card. Well said. Because I just got a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's just, like, yeah, I don't know. There's just lots of ways of doing it. And... Um, I think at the end of the day, as long as you're just like responsible about your debt and you're comfortable with it and you are making wise choices, um, do what's right for you. Yeah. I, I honestly think one of those big factors is how much money you have in your checking account or in your savings. Also, they're going to look at your employment history. If you've oh, had a steady yeah, job for yeah. 10 plus years where you're making good money, 100%. they're going to lend you money. Yeah. yeah. And there are other things too. Like, I mean, gosh, uh, the mortgage is the big example. So we'll just stick with that. But like when you get a mortgage and you apply for it with a lender, they look at your credit, they pull your credit reports from all three of them, all three credit agencies or whatever they're called. Um, but they also look at like all of your assets and you have yeah. to turn over everything. It's so like, it's, it's a little bit, it feels like really invasive and a little bit violating because you're just, I mean, they look at everything. And so they're looking at like your employment history, they're looking and they're going through all your bank accounts to see what kind of like track record you have, like how much of a spender you are, 
Like, have you set, do you set money aside? Are you a good saver? Like, what is just, what is your track record in your checking accounts? Like literally we had to turn everything over um, so that they could determine whether we were good candidates and we would pay our mortgage payments. And um, so it's not just, you know, a lender is not just looking at a credit report to gauge whether you're a good candidate. Um, <laughs> you have to turn over so much stuff. It's insane. But um, it really is insane. Like insane. Well, like there's no other way to put it. Um, and I've never been there, but I totally commiserate <laughs> with you. That sounds awful. Yeah. Um, so one thing, one thing that we, we brought this up when we were having our six month anniversary dinner a couple weeks ago. <laughs> okay. And it was, it was whether or not we have separate or joint oh, checking yeah. accounts with our husbands. Mm-hmm. And That's another thing. Yes. So uh, me and my husband have separate checking accounts, separate retirement funds, and it's not weird at all. That's just how we always wanted to do it because I think we thought about it and it was just going to be too complicated to make it all like go together. Mm-hmm. And it's I found it to be completely liberating because we never stress out about what each other is is purchasing. I know we we. He has his guilty pleasures. I have mine. I don't agree with his, and I'm sure he doesn't agree with mine, but we don't ever have to, like, get on each other because we, we split everything down the middle in terms of our costs, and we both do we both do savings, and that just works for us. And I think because of my original thought on just being financially independent, I really love that my husband never pressured me to do that. In fact, he didn't care at all. Um, we just kept going and that just felt, it feels so freeing to be able to have my own checking account, have my own credit cards. Um, and I, I just, I, I guess I just always but thought you, when you got married, I, you had, you had to do that. Yeah. That was like, you guys, that was just you like, guys, like make thing. financial decisions together and you're on the same page and you have your same goals. Um, but there's a level of independence within that, which I think can be very healthy for a lot of people. And I I just thought it was so funny that I was like, I, I was dreading having the conversation with him leading up to our wedding or afterwards, because I was like, Oh, I really don't want to do this. I like having my own checking account. Mm -hmm. We share everything with each other. There's no secrets. Yeah. I know what he's buying. He knows what I'm buying, but it's just... (laughs) That was just a, I don't know why I thought that was like a mandatory thing. You had to, you had to yeah. join all of your money together as soon as you got married. You don't have to, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just like whatever, like that works for us. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny for me is my husband and I have separate bank accounts, like totally separate. Everything we do is separate. We have one shared credit card um, that's his. He just gave me a credit card and I want to say it was for something and I think I needed it for like a travel thing. Like I just had my debit card. I can't remember the reason why he got it for me. Um, but when we had started dating, we were dating for like two years. And in Montgomery County, they have a domestic, they used to have a domestic partnership program before um, same-sex marriage was legalized. So if you were a county employee and had a domestic partner, you just had to prove that you'd been domestic partners for a year. And then they get the benefits of being your domestic partner as in like health insurance. Wow. So after we were dating for like two years, we got a joint bank account, put a little bit of money in there, like really nothing. 
got health, I got my health insurance through his because it's just so good. And then we closed the bank account and have had separate accounts since. <laughs> um, that's that. awesome. But it was one of those things like we didn't do anything wrong. We followed all the stipulations and now we're married and I've been on his health care since then. But I mean, we were technically, according to Montgomery County statutes, domestic partners. Wow. Um, because it never defined what a domestic partnership was besides two people in a relationship having, and we, you know, after that we've had, we, I mean, when I bought my car, he's on my car title mm-hmm. because we, I guess I bought it, but we just went in on it together. So it was in both of our name and like all of our household bills are in both of our names, things like that. Yeah. Um, but bank account wise, like he has his account and his savings account and his pension and his 401k, whatever he has right now. And then I have all mine separate as well. And that's just, you know, kind of how we've been. And we've never, we went, like, recently we were going to start a joint bank account. And I was like, oh, it'll be nice if I can move money from my my bank account into there. And we can use it as a joint savings. But our credit union is so weird that it won't link the accounts together. So I can't transfer money between. So then we just don't use it. Weird. Yeah. Wow. So we just do things on our own. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever works for, I mean, I just feel like so many of these conversations, like whatever works for you is like what Mm -hmm. you should do, you know? Um, My husband and I have completely shared everything. So like shared checking, shared savings. I mean, that's all we have because we don't have credit cards. Um, And it works for us. And like, it doesn't bother us. We don't care. Both our paychecks go to the same place. Our bills come out of the same place. You know, we joke all the time. Like when he gets me like a birthday present or whatever, and he's like, I mean, or when I get him something, I'm like, hey, look what you bought yourself. Like, <laughs> because the money all comes, it, everything comes from the same place. And it's just kind of a funny like joke that we have. But I did um, forget that you guys did that because I remember when we worked together, I one time had to buy Nick a gift mm-hmm. for you. So he did not know what you because were Because I knew. Yeah, I know. And I think that's the only time I've ever done that. Um, Because a lot of times I'll try to either do cash or like PayPal or something or I don't remember. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I remember what was it? I don't remember what it was, but I did. I want to say it was you. like Jim Gaffigan tickets or something. Yeah. Like that. And I find you like right there on the spot, but yeah. I was, if Nick, if I buy these, Nick will see it. Yeah. I can't like have that. So um, it's, yeah, it's really funny, but, but it, it's funny too, though, because like around our birthdays or around Christmas, we're always like, we kind of wait till the week before to buy our gifts for each other. And then we're like, don't check the bank account until <laughs> after, after your birthday. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> See, I would not be able to fall for, I'd be like, I'm going to go check it now. Like I would I just mean, live have in to it. Do, I mean, you have to do that. Like, and and I could check it, but I like being surprised. So I'm like, okay. Oh, I hate surprises. Yeah, we'll so I would totally I'm the look. worst at surprises. I'd be like, sure. I won't look at it. And then <laughs> yeah. log right on to my phone. Exactly. App. Yeah. So then act surprised when I open it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's yeah, that's what we do. You're a good woman, Amanda. Like you are. It's it's not I'm not doing it for him, I'm doing it for myself because I like being surprised and I don't want to ruin the surprise. (laughs) I mean, even when I was a kid, I figured out where my parents hid like Christmas gifts. And I would look like weeks before Christmas. My sister and I'd be like, Mom and Dad are out doing something. Let's go look at our Christmas gifts. And we would go and like into their hiding spot and know everything. And my sister's still like the exact same way. Before her baby shower, she's like, what'd you get me? And I'm like, I'm not telling you. And she's like, 
I already know what you got because I looked on my registry. Like, she lived off of her baby gift registry. Oh, and she's like, I just got me this and then this. And I'm like, oh, my God, you are the worst. That's <laughs> amazing. No. Man. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like that is a good summation of a hard, you know, 10, 15 years of, you know, making money and losing money and <laughs> saving money. Yeah. And, <laughs> and honestly, just imparted all of our this. wisdom. Yeah, we but we could talk about this forever. I mean, honestly, like there's there's still more stuff about financial freedom and financial independence that we didn't even talk about. So I'm sure we will revisit this subject. Um, I mean, and I was just thinking we did kind of talk about this a little bit in our student loan episode a few episodes back. So, you know, we've talked about that. We've talked about our personal journeys now tonight. And I feel like later on, we'll talk about money again. It's just a matter of when, not if. So, yeah. Absolutely. Anything else you guys want to add before we wrap this up tonight? No, y'all just save your monies. Squirrel it away. Yeah. And don't be, like, provoked to get those store credit cards when they're like, you can save 10% off of your Target purchase today if you got a Target credit card. That has, like, a 24% interest rate. Yeah. (laughs) Don't do it. Yeah. And just make smart choices. Oh, my only other thing is my one piece of advice. Don't be afraid to ask questions. That's it. That's it. That's all I got. Cool. You got to ask questions. If you don't understand something about your finances, ask. And like who, I don't know who said it, but like no questions, a stupid question. There are only stupid people. (laughs) (laughs) And you're stupid if you don't ask the question. Exactly. All right, guys. Well, with that, um, I'm going to sign off and um, tell everyone out there, once again, please rate us, review us, tell all your friends to subscribe. And um, if there's anything in particular you would like us to cover on the podcast or anything you think we missed tonight, feel free to drop us online at hello at nyafpod.com. All right. Signing off, y'all. Well, we'll see ya. Bye.